Uh, like my wife said, my name is Gino Allison, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and I just want to uh, say a warm welcome to all of you who are with us today. Special welcome to any guests that we have this morning. Also, a welcome to anybody who's listening to us through our website or through our podcast. You're also welcome to come and worship with us as well. You know, I was thinking this morning as I was just preparing for service that I really, uh, I get, I really get excited uh, about Sunday mornings to come here and to fellowship and to worship. And, you know, especially during my life uh, as a pastor and in ministry, that, that's not always been the case. I mean, there's times in my life where I just took this a little bit too seriously. If you understand what I mean when I say that, I would get really stressed out. So I didn't enjoy it very much. I enjoyed serving the Lord, but I didn't enjoy Sunday mornings that much. But nowadays, I really enjoy Sunday mornings, even with all the preparation and the stresses and the rigors of getting ready. I just really uh, was reminded of how much I enjoy uh, coming here each and every Sunday, fellowshipping with you, having the opportunity to speak. So I just feel blessed, and I hope you feel privileged to be among God's people today in his house of worship, and I'm just glad that you're here this morning. Before I continue this morning, I just want to welcome our newest uh, member uh, to the South Suburban Vineyard Church, and that's baby Maldonado, baby Jonah there, was born almost a week ago today. I met with him yesterday, took him through the membership class, and he signed up. He's ready to go. So we just uh, want a warm welcome to uh, baby Jonah. And happy Father's Day for the first time for David Jacob here. And also happy Father's Day to all of the fathers in this room today. You know, I'm very blessed when I look around and see such a high percentage of fathers who are really holding it down. Um, I think uh, Satan loves to attack fathers and get us off doing our own thing and neglecting the things that he's put us on this earth to do. So it's very encouraging when I see fathers stepping up to the plate, uh, holding it down and being present and being a godly father in their, in their children's lives. So today I want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I want to challenge you to, oh, we can always do better. And for those of you who are here with your husband who is a father or you're here a child today and you have a father, um, of course you have a father, I want you to honor your father. On the, I want this day to be about him. I, I want you to minimize all the stress and the nonsense. I want this man to feel loved and respected and celebrated on this day. So would you do that for, uh, would you do that for me today? Would you really honor your fathers? Uh, wives, please honor your husbands as they endeavor to be good fathers. I just want to bless you real quick. So if you're close to a father, would you just extend your hand that way or just lay hands on them if they'll allow you to? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for these godly men who have gathered here this morning in your name to fellowship and to worship you. Lord, I thank you that these guys are doing something right. Um, in the, uh, when I look out in the landscape of the culture, I see so many fathers doing it wrong. So many fathers just taking it easy, Lord. And these guys have stepped up to the place. So, I, Lord, I ask that you would encourage them. May they feel blessed on this day. May they feel your face shining upon them. And, Lord, each and every one of these guys knows the areas where they need to improve or they need to press into you, Lord. And I just ask that by your grace and by your mercy and by your love for them, Lord, that you would give them exactly what they need. Bless the fathers today on this Father's Day. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day to you guys. Well, I meet a lot of people who either directly or indirectly communicate to me that life simply doesn't make sense. You ever been talking to somebody and either they say to you, well, life doesn't make sense, or they seem puzzled about a, a significant area of life. Well, I find that that's more often um, that I care to, um, that, I, that I enjoy, that people simply find life to be confusing. They find life doesn't make sense. 
And really, I don't find that there's a decreased population of people who are confused by the complexity of life when I come into the church. In other words, there are a high percentage uh, of Christians who don't quite seem to understand how life works. In other words, life doesn't make sense to them. And I came across a quote uh, this week as I was preparing uh, by Pastor Rick Warren from the Saddleback Church. And he says this, you were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. Every now and then I come across a quote that's really powerful. I think, whoa, let let me print that out and post that somewhere. Pastor Warren says this, you were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. How true is that? How true is that? How many of us often lose sight of the fact that we have a creator that created us for a specific purpose? And the further we get into the kingdom, the further we dig into God's word, the more we discover that that purpose is not to live, uh, to pursue happiness. We understand that that purpose is not to pursue the American dream or pursue our own thing and pursue our own this or our own that. Our object, our reason for being on this earth is to please the creator with all that we have and all that we are. That's that's our job, to give all that we have, all that we are, back to the Creator. I have the privilege of continuing this sermon series that I started last week, this morning, that we're simply calling Investing in the Kingdom. Investing in the Kingdom of God. And invest simply means to devote uh, one's time, talent, or treasure to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile resort, to, 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 to give yourself, or to give your resources, to give yourself to something with the hopes that it will produce some fruit, that there's a worthwhile pr- uh, result that will come from that. And last week we looked at a quote from Silas Shotwell, and he says, the only way to tell the difference between wasting and investing is to know one's ultimate purpose in life and to judge accordingly. We're always asking the question, what should I do with my life? We ask that question as it relates to our career. We, we ask that question as it relates to our relationships. and every aspect of life, we're always wondering, whether we say it out loud or not, what should I do with my life? And the second question that we ask ourselves is, are we, am I wasting my life? Is what I'm, is what I'm working towards or what I'm sowing into is who I'm being from day to day? Am I contributing to the betterment of myself? Am I moving towards something or am I simply wasting my time? And Brother Shotwell says, listen, if you want to figure out whether you're investing or wasting your time, you need only ask yourself, what's my ultimate purpose? In other words, what am I here to do? What am I on this earth to do? And if you're not a Christian, that might be puzzling. You might not get an easy answer to that question. But in the life of a Christian, we understand that the answer to that question is fairly simple. We see it just about every single week. Our ultimate purpose in life is to do what? To love God and to love people. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your whole life, but it's not that uh, hard to figure out when you look at the scriptures. So our ultimate purpose is to love God and to love people. So if we want to figure out if we're wasting or investing our time, our talent, or our treasure, we need only ask ourselves, listen, am I investing my life in the kingdom? Am I giving into something that is kingdom-oriented? Am I doing something? Am I contributing to something? Am I sowing into something that will bear some kingdom fruit on the back end? How do I invest in the kingdom of God should be the question that we ask ourselves at every turn in life. Every day and every hour, if you can get around to it, what 
does it mean to invest in the kingdom of God? And last week, we took a broad view of it. We looked at a passage in Luke chapter 14. We looked at generally what it means to invest your life into the kingdom. And as I promised in the following weeks, we will break that down. I think our life is divided into three sections. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. And as I promised, we'll just take a week to explore each of those things. This week, we're going to talk about investing your time in the kingdom. Time is our most precious gift, our most valuable asset. I know you may not think, think, think that way. I know you may value money or you may value relationships or you may have something else, but time is our most precious uh, asset. It's our most precious gift that's given to us from God. You only have a set amount of it. You can't do anything. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how influential you are. I don't know how many people you know influential people, you simply can't get more time. And the truth is, when you give away your time, when you invest your time, you're essentially giving away your most valuable asset. You are giving away a part of you that you cannot get back in a natural sense. So when you're giving your time, you're essentially giving your life. You're giving minutes, you're giving hours, you're giving days of your life. Your greatest sacrifice, believe it or not, is your time. And the greatest way to invest in the kingdom of God, friends, is to invest your time. Investing your time in the kingdom of God is what we'll talk about this morning. We're going to be looking, um, first starting here, uh, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, as we just use this as a springboard for the talk this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, there are Bibles on the edges of the row. If you don't have a Bible, you can take one of those with you. We'll also be projecting it on the screens today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let me start with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this congregation. I thank you so much for these people who have gathered to worship you, gathered to fellowship with one another, gathered, Lord, to hear what you would speak to them this morning. So, Lord, I pray that you would put power on this uh, message. I pray that you would move me out of the way. Lord, I pray that this series would just be life-changing, Lord. I pray that people would have a new perspective on what you expect from them and what they can expect from you as a result of hearing and doing your word as we work our way through what it means to invest in the kingdom. Lord, come in power this, uh, this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to start at verse 6. Remember this, Paul says, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now, I know we've, uh, many of us have heard this Uh, passage as it relates to financial giving, and I think it is applicable to that, but I think this is a passage that's very uh, key to just giving or investing our God-given stuff in any aspect. So I want to broaden our understanding of what it means to give. God is not simply uh, just concerned with what you do with your money. He's concerned with what you do with the whole of who you are. So I wanted to use this passage as a springboard for our time and our talk this morning. Paul says, listen, you will reap what you sow. We've heard that over and over and over and over again. And unfortunately, we've narrowed that to our money. We've narrowed that understanding to our money. But Paul says, listen, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but those who plant generously will get a generous crop. Now, as we expand that to thinking our whole life, and it was sort of narrowed to just our time, which is what we're talking about, I like that Paul doesn't say give. 
if you give a little bit, you'll reap a lot. Because if you give something, you don't really expect to see that back, if you've truly given it. He uses this sort of agricultural terminology. You sow something if you plant something. Right, you don't go to just a forest and broadcast seed and just sort of walk away. Or you don't go to a swamp excuse me, a swamp and just throw seed all around. No, you plant it into fertile soil because what? When you plant something, you expect to see something come back. And if you're smart, you expect to see more back than, than what you actually planted. So Paul is on to something here. He says, listen, if you sow sparingly or if you sow just a little, you will get back a little. But if you sow a lot, you will get a lot. This is so true when, as it relates to our resources and what it means to invest in God's stuff. So Paul says, if you you reap what you sow, he continues by saying, we must sow or we must give cheerfully. In other words, if you give grudgingly, if you give with your heart all messed up and you give out of duty or you give because you're trying to impress somebody but your heart's not really connected to it, then it really doesn't count. What a shame to give away stuff for the wrong reasons and have it not register any credit for you in heaven with the king of kings. Paul says, if you give cheerfully, sow cheerfully, Cheerfully, Again, this is a springboard for our talk today. And finally, he sums up this little passage. He says, God blesses those who live this way. Verse 8, and God will generously provide all, all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. I firmly believe that I, I'm living witness about this. The Lord says, if you give generously, you sow generously, I'm not talking about just giving. We're talking about you so generously of your resources, namely your time. You will have abundant supply. God will bless you. And listen, I love to watch people who live this out. I love to watch people who live this out. It's people who give generously, people who sow their time, their talent, their treasure into the kingdom. Listen, they seem to just have the best lives. I'm not talking about they never get sick. I'm not talking about they have as much money as they want or they live in the house, their dream home. I'm talking about there's a functionality to their life that is unmatched. You, you, don't, you won't see it anyplace else other than a person who's really bought into living this thing the way God says to live it, investing their time generously and cheerfully, sowing their stuff into the kingdom, sowing their time into the kingdom. There's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. And some of you are here today and say, listen, I can't seem to get a break. Say, man, I, I, I'm running out of hours of the day. I'm running out of money. I got more money. I got more bills than I have money. I just can't seem to get a break. And I'm, I, I, just, I just want to pause and say, listen, what, what are you, how are you investing your time? Are you, are you just sowing a little bit? Are, are you giving away the scraps? Are you giving away the stuff that you don't want? Are you giving, if you have some left over? Because I've found that the people who live that way, and this is not a put-down, this is just information. This is a diagnosis. The people who live that way are always, always, always in want. Always running out of what they need the most. I know people who are so scarcely and seem to have lots of money and other things, but ask them about their peace. Ask them about their relationships. Ask them about the areas of life that really, really matter, and they're usually bankrupt in those areas because this principle works no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what continent you are, God blesses those that live this way. He blesses those that live this way. So now I want to talk specifically with that as a framework, with that as our springboard, I want to talk specifically of what it, about what it means to invest our time in the kingdom. I've already said that our ultimate purpose, as we all know, is to love God and to love people. 
So investing our time means investing our time in God and investing our time in people. Investing our time in people, and that's where we'll start. Investing our time in people. God says that when you invest your time in people in meaningful, significant, generous ways, he blesses that. He blesses that. There's a problem with that, though. The problem is we tend to want to just gravitate toward our own people. We want to tend to just lavish love and time and all the valuable things, things that matter to us. We tend to want to stay real close to home. And we want points with God for that. Well, let's look at a passage of Scripture that should refocus us a little bit. Matthew chapter 25. Look at Matthew chapter 25. This is an eye-opening passage, and I think it's very applicable to what we want to talk about this morning. Matthew chapter 25, <clears throat> excuse me, we want to start at verse 31. It's a little bit long, so stay with me. That's why I'm talking a little fast this morning. I want to get through all of this. Verse 31, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to all those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, Jesus said, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, or give you something to drink, or stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. What an eye-opening passage. Passage that makes you say, wow. Passage that really orients us in the right direction as it relates to what it means to give generously of our time, to sow it into kingdom through the vehicle of other people. The first thing Jesus opens up in this passage is that he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. So we get this whole imagery of the sheep and the goats. Like a shepherd would separate the sheep and the goats. And it's important to understand that the sheep are the good folks and the goats are the folks who you don't want to be in that goat pile. Let's just say it that way. You want to be among the sheep. So sheep and goats. So the main, the main point you should take away from this is, listen, there's going to come a day where you're going to have to answer for how you've lived. We've heard that. I've heard that ever since I, I was a boy. Listen, this is the last days. These are the last days. People have been saying that for years. And somehow when we hear that, it sort of lulls us to sleep and we lose the urgency of the fact that the king is coming and you're going to have to reckon for how you lived. You're going to have to give an account for how you stewarded your time, your talent, your treasure. And Jesus zeroes us in on our time, particularly as it relates to other people. And he says, listen, when, it, when, it, when, when the king comes back, 
we're going to have a conversation. We're going to play the videotape. And we're going to see how you dispensed your time. We're going to see about it. And what do we find is the difference maker as Jesus sorts out this business at the end of the time? What do we find is a difference maker? Let's look at verse 35. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you, gave me, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. This is what he says to the sheep, the folks who will inherit the kingdom of God. And you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And, the, all the, and the, the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it unto the least of these, you were doing it unto me. But what is Jesus saying? He says, listen, you inherit the kingdom of God. What you will reap from what you sowed, your time, by giving it to other people, what you will reap is the kingdom of God. Now, we can't always see it on this end. We're sowing our time. We're giving and living sacrificially. And sometimes we feel like, man, when am I ever going to get break? You may never, ever see it on this side of heaven. But what this passage highlights for us is that eternity will be yours. The kingdom of heaven will be yours because you've sowed your time. And people said to Jesus, listen, man, we never saw you hungry or naked. We never came to visit you or in prison. Jesus, when did you get arrested that we had to come and see you in prison? And Jesus says, no, you don't understand. When you visited the least person, when you visit the lost person, that weird guy that everybody else was walking away from, when you, when you tended to that person, you were tended to me. In other words, when you tended to that person, you were investing in the kingdom. When you invested your time into that person, unbeknownst to you, you were giving that directly to me because that's how I saw it. Come into the kingdom. Now, what are the implications for those of us who are selfish with our time? Those of us who decide that we want to only invest in ourselves. We want to only give our time to our people or to the people nearest to us. Well, the opposite is true. He's going to turn to you and say, listen, listen, you, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. I've got nothing for you because I was in prison. I was naked. I was hungry and I was thirsty. And you didn't do that to me and say, wait, wait, we never saw. Listen, Jesus, if you were hungry, I'd have given you some bread. You know I would give you some bread, Jesus. And if you ever found yourself locked up, Lord, I would be the first to come and visit you. Or if I saw you stumble around covering your parts because you're naked, I'd give you clothes and a heart to speak. Jesus, you know, I love you, Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, you don't get it. You don't get it. You didn't treat the stranger well. You didn't treat that other person well. You didn't give when they needed. You didn't give them a drink when they were thirsty. You didn't give them food when they were hungry. You didn't clothe their nakedness. In, in essence, you were, in, you were neglecting me. You were neglecting me. You were neglecting me. And this puts things into perspective. Because we love Jesus, don't we? We love Jesus. At least we say we do. We love to sing songs to Jesus. We love to, you know, have Jesus on our shirt. We love to do all these sorts of things. But Jesus brings into focus what it really means to invest time in the kingdom by caring for the lost and the least. And Jesus is doing this unique thing that he does where he's always highlighting the extreme. And everything else is included in that. So, of course, God expects you to take care of your family. If, of course, he expects you to take care of your friends and those closest to you. But Jesus says you really want to score some points. You really want to invest in the kingdom. What about the lost? What about the least? What about the broken? What about the destitute? What about people who don't have any people? What about those folks? Who's going to care for those? The answer is we care for those. I talk to people, I say, hey, man, you, you come into Restoration, which is the food pantry where we serve, and we often do servant evangelism sorts of things, and we serve the poor and things like that. Oh, I'm, I'm not really into that. 
I don't really do that. Now, I'll send some money, but I don't really do that. I, I, I want to say, do you, do you realize what you're saying? Do you realize what you're saying? Do you realize what you're saying? You're saying the things that are important to God, the way that God has said, this is how you sow. This is how you invest. This is how you uh, reap a harvest of blessing, which includes eternal life and salvation in the kingdom of God. You've said, essentially, I'm not wired that way. You've told God, I don't do that. I've got better things to do. And when we reach all the way back and we say, well, what is my ultimate purpose? Why am I here on this earth? All of a sudden, we would fall into that category of people who are wasting our lives. We're doing noble things. We're making money. We're tending to our family. We're doing all that stuff that's fun and it's beneficial to us. But the things that matter are being neglected. And Jesus says, take heed because those are the things that matter to me. How are you investing in people? the people around you? Are you wasting your life? Are you investing in the kingdom? Are you investing your time in the kingdom of God? Just give you a second to think about that. And there's no condemnation here because many of us would answer no. Some of us are doing some of the right things, but we can always do more. Some of us are doing a little good thing here. We've signed up to go to restoration once a, once a month. And we think, listen, that doesn't, that doesn't qualify. That doesn't qualify. How are we investing our time in the kingdom of God? A couple different occasions this week, I, I was uh, giving jumps to people that I saw uh, on the road. One, one was my sister. She called me and she needed to jump. I mean, I was happy to do that. But I was just out here a couple days ago, and you know, just people were trying to wave somebody down, and nobody was stopping. So I pulled over and gave them a jump, and they tried to give me a couple bucks, and I was like, no, 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 I gave them an invite to church. But it occurred to me that that is an opportunity for me to invest my time in the kingdom. Listen, keep that $5. I mean, a couple of years ago, I might have taken it. But more now than ever, I'm in touch with the reality where I've, I've just invested in something, the harvest that I'm going to get from that, you know, 10 minutes that I sowed is going to be far greater than anything that you can give me. But the reality is every single day if I have my eyes open, there's an opportunity to invest in the kingdom by investing in people. So my challenge to you, the tip that I have for you is to ask when you, before you walk out of your door in the morning, say, Lord, give me eyes to see what you see. Lord, show me what you're doing. Lord, show me who you're working on. Lord, show me who you want me to engage, who you want me to help, who you want me to invest in today because you realize that I'm investing not just in this moment, but I'm investing in something eternal. God, show me what you're doing. And if you pray that prayer with sincerity, God will show you. I mean, some days, I mean, you got some place to be, you will wish that you had not prayed that prayer. Like, man, I got to be somewhere. That guy looks scary. You know, I don't want to talk to him. Are you investing your time in people? And there's a lot that I can say there, but um, I'll, I will just move on. I'll move on. The other, the other part to this, a huge part to this, is spending quality time with God, investing your time in God. And this, is a, this, is, this, this aspect of our life is so private, and because it's so private, it often is neglected. Right? The things that we have to do, the, the, the parts of our life that are on display, we have, have some motivation to, to, to keep up with those things and to, to be diligent about those things. But those things that are, are our own private business that only we know if we're doing it or not, oftentimes get neglected. And I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a witness to that. I'm a witness to that. And this, this whole idea of spending not just time with God, 
But quality time with God is a huge issue, and it has, has signi- uh, uh, eternal significance in terms of uh, investing in the kingdom of God, spending quality time with God. And we focus in on that word quality time. You hear that a lot. Your wife says, listen, I want quality time with you. You hear any sermons on on marriage and relationship and family and raising kids? They said, listen, don't just spend time where you're just sitting at the table and you got your Blackberry out and you say, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah, I hear hear you. Okay, I'm here physically, so I'm clocking some time. You may be clocking time, but you're not clocking quality time. And it would take me forever to give you an adequate definition of what quality time means, but I would just put it this way. You know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. You know it when you're experiencing it. You especially know it when you're the, the recipient of quality time. So we don't have to play this. Game. Well, break it down for me. Give me a definition of quality time. No, you know quality time. You know when you're giving, giving God the time off the top. Were you the sharpest? Were you the most alert? Right? And for some of us, we're, we're, we're not morning people. So to, to, to drag yourself out of bed early is to, to do God a disservice. Some of you, you're not night people. And you try to read your Bible and pray when you're in the bed, and you don't get two lines into it before you're counting sheep. So you know what quality time means, and it's so hard. It's so hard even for the pastor. I know you think I spend most of my week on the mountaintop, you know, getting God's word, you know, etched into tablets. That's not true. You know, it's not true. I struggle with this, too. I struggle with this, too. And, and recently, I've not allowed my sermon, my hours of sermon prep, to count as quality time with the Lord. Um, yes, I'm studying God's Word. Yes, I'm pouring over scriptures and other resources. But I've not allowed that to count for myself because that's not quality time. I get a lot out of that, but I'm working. I'm working. That's my vocation. It doesn't count. And oftentimes, when I extract my hours of sermon prep out of my week, listen, man, my quality time that I spent with the Lord is really, really embarrassing. It's really quite anemic. It's really not very impressive at all. And I realize, Lord, I, 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 I work for you. I've given my life to your service, and yet this is, this, is the, this is what I've given you all week long. I've given you virtually no quality time. So I just want to run through a couple of things of what quality time looks like and some ways that you can give God quality time. The first aspect is prayer. You see this throughout the life of Jesus as we look through the Gospels. Jesus was often stealing away, stealing away to be uh, alone to pray, with, pray, pray to the Father. I'm like, this is remarkable. This is God. I mean, he had the Holy Spirit without measure. I mean, this, this, is, this is significant. That the, that the guy who's modeling for us how to live and how to, how to interact with, uh, with people and how to interact with God is taking so much time to be deliberate, to be intentional about stealing away, to talk with God, to meet with God, and not just sort of saying, Lord, this, here's the things that I want you to do. Here's also a list of the things that I asked you last week that maybe you didn't hear me, so I'm going to refresh your memory. I'm going to pray these things again. That's not what I mean by quality time. What if you just went to your spouse and the only time you talked to them was when you said, listen, are those eggs ready yet? Listen, these, these, are, these are how I like my eggs. Have you done this? Or, have you done, or when are you going to do this? this? Listen, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. There's only so much of that that's tolerable. 
When I'm talking about spending quality time with God, I'm talking about a mutually satisfying exchange where you talk to God and he talks to you. Where you communicate to God and he communicates with you. Where you shower him with praise and thanksgiving and he uh, returns that to you. Where you make your requests known to him, what you'd like to have him do, what you, you make your requests known to him, and you give him space to say, now here's what I'd like you to do. A mutually satisfying exchange of prayer life with the Lord. And those of us who have this, we know it's power. Those of us who've never had this, some, somehow we only see it as a debit. We don't see it as a deposit. We see this as, oh, okay, this is another thing that pulls on my day. This is another thing that's going to cost me some time. We reach back to our ultimate purpose to determine whether we're investing or whether we're wasting. And our ultimate purpose is to serve God. And we understand that everything we have, including our time, comes from the Lord. So if the Lord is asking you for a little bit of his time back, you ought to be okay with that. The Lord says, listen, all that time is mine. Give me a few hours of that every week. Give me a few hours. And we should all say, Lord, here, here's yours. It's absolutely yours. So spending time in prayer. Spending time in prayer. Listen, we're investing in the kingdom of God. And ask anybody who spends significant time in prayer who meets with God. It has a profound effect on their life in a positive way. It has a profound effect on your life. You spend some time with God. You meet with him. You pray with him. He talks back to you. You go, you, all of a sudden, you got your marching orders for the day. You're filled with his spirit. You've hung out with him, and some of his character is rubbing off on you, and it's rubbing off on you, and you're internalizing that, and you're paying that for. And I can tell people who are spending time with God for the most part. I can tell it. You can only fake it for a, for a little while. But we're talking about prayer. Another fantastic way to spend time with God, a necessary way of spending time with God, is studying God's word. Studying God's word. This is, again, this is, this is hard for a lot of people. This is hard for a lot of people. Again, it's another thing to add to the day. And frankly, some of you, if you're honest, you just don't really, you don't naturally understand what's being said when you read portions of the scripture. And that's not an uncommon, that's not an uncommon complaint as it relates to reading the word of God. But what you're doing, in essence, what, what, what God is asking us to do is let's put yourself in front of God's word on a regular, regular basis. Remind yourself of why you're here. Remind yourself of what you can expect from God. Remind yourself of what he can expect from you. You know, I was reflecting this week that, you know, of all the passages of the Bible that I've read, and of all the sermons that I've sat through, many of them good sermons, you would think I would have it all together. You, you would think I would have internalized the way I should live. you think I would have internalized all the things that I'm supposed to run away from. you think with all the hours that I've clocked in front of God's word, hearing it or reasoning, reading it, I would be set. But you and I know that's not true. Why is that not the case? Why is that not true? Because, listen, usually what's, what's most pressing to us, what's right in front of our face a lot of the times is our own sinfulness, our own selfishness, this culture that just invades us and that barbars us, and it steals the show. It steals the show a lot of times. So if I don't deliberately put myself in the way of God's word, if I don't deliberately put myself and remind myself about the gospel, remind myself that I'm forgiven, remind myself of the things that I should stay away from, remind myself of the good things that God has done and the miracles and the blessings, if I don't remind myself about that in a, on a regular basis, you know what, I'm subject to fall away. 
I'm subject to look at what I see in front of me, my own circumstance, my own situation, and I'm subject to get really, really, really discouraged. And I'm going to tell you, you're not strong enough to neglect God's word. You're not Christian enough. You're not man enough. You're not woman enough to neglect God's word for any extended period of time and expect to still be uh, a person who experiences God's presence and walks in his way. Listen, don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Think about those of you who are in crisis. Think about, you, th- think about it, those of you whose life is falling apart. How much quality time have you spent with God? How much time have you spent in his word? How have you bathed yourself in his presence? Many of you reflected that you haven't. And we haven't put it together yet that that's the cause of our dysfunction. That's the cause of this huge cavity that stands between us and God. Listen, and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. All we're talking about here is practicing a few of the spiritual disciplines on a regular basis, studying God's word. Studying God's word. Investing time, quality time, in God's stuff and reaping the benefits of that in this life on a day-to-day basis. You know, what I love about God is that he's provided opportunities uniquely to do both of those things at the same time. It's a handful of things that we can do to kill two birds with one stone. We can lavishly invest our time in people and lavishly invest our love and time in God. There's a couple of ways we can do that. The most significant, the one that stands out the most, is just coming to the house of worship. Coming to the house of worship. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is the psalmist says, I think it's Psalms 122, listen, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. What does the psalmist say? Listen, I get excited. I'm looking forward to Sunday morning. Of all the chaos and all the stuff I've had to deal with in this life and all the chaos that I've had to deal with at home and all the stuff I've had to deal with at work and all the stuff I had to deal with out in the world in the marketplace, listen, I was glad when they said it's time to go to church. I was glad to to get among the people of God and fellowship there. I was glad to get and hear some word and to remind myself that the kingdom is rich and it's satisfying and it floods over me and all I have to do is show up. The psalmist says, I was happy when they said to me. And that's how I feel. Not every Sunday, because of the cares of life, I allow it to get to me and stress me out and overwhelm me. And the perfectionist side of me takes over and I don't quite get into swing of things. But I'm excited when it's time to come to church. Why? Because I get to see you guys. I get to spend some time. I get to invest some time in you. I get to invest some of my talent in you, the gift that God has given me. I get to see your face. I get to hang around with you. I get to just uh, mix it up with God's people. There's something very life-giving about that. Not only that, I am investing in the kingdom of God with my time. I'm investing. And listen, man, it's so important because so many people cheat themselves out of this experience. They cheat themselves out of this experience, you know, because we undervalue this. We undervalue this. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the preacher, and it's, you know, more fun to preach to people sitting in the seats than empty seats. I'm saying this because this is the real deal. Satan tricks us often and and convinces us for silly reasons to, to, to completely neglect this and to not take this seriously. 
People call me all the time, hey, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm really in crisis, and I really need to talk to you right now, this, that, and the other. And if I was honest, can I just keep it real right, right now? You know what I'm thinking is, where were you on Sunday morning? Where were you when the waters were stirred here? When the praises were going forth, when God was speaking, where were you at? You know, we talked about this last week. What you're dealing with, we talked about this. God spoke to that issue. There was a ministry call for that thing that you need. Now, I'm glad to come and and pray for you. But where were you? Where were you? You say, what's your point, preacher? My point is that God has wrapped so much stuff up. There's so much spiritual, nutritional value in what we do here. And what Satan will do is he will tell you, listen, you don't have time for that. You can stay home and watch this new movie coming out on Netflix that you can't watch later. You got to watch it now. They might take it down. Or that game's going to be on. Or you work late. Or you might be sick tomorrow. All sorts of stuff. I hate to see people sitting home on Sunday morning. Listen, there's a real short list of things that are more important than getting here on Sunday morning. It's a real short list. Now, and we're not Sunday morning Christians. We live this out 24-7. So if you've got to miss for something or if you go on a vacation or something like that, don't mishear me. What I, don't, don't mishear me. But what I'm saying is that what God has for you is here. Not only that, when you take this seriously, when you invest your time in this, it pays major dividends. Major. Major. And I don't mean just showing up. I mean taking it seriously. Some of you would never, ever be late to work. You wouldn't dream of it. You would never walk into church late, ever. But some of us would be just, well, I guess I guess I'll go to church now. Well, I don't really like that opening song anyway. I don't know why they do one song anyway. <laughs> I really don't like to greet people, so I want to miss that part. Oh, well, I've heard enough of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave now. I mean, four songs to do, four songs. I, I'll stay for two. <laughs> Listen, God, you got to take this seriously. And you're sitting there wondering, do I take this seriously? Here's a test for you. Those of you who have children, go home and ask them, is church important to you? Ask them if church is more important to you than work. It's meeting with God's people. Because they see you rushing around. For work. They see you, you know, hopping out, putting the shoe on. They see you with the toast in hand. You're flying out of the door. They see you doing that for, for work. They see you doing that for the social things. They see you doing that for other things. But if they see you just sort of casually getting ready for church, yeah, I think there's a little bit of time left. We'll go. What, are you, what message are you sending to them? What message are you sending to them about the importance, the significance of God's stuff over everything else? Now, we're all late to stuff, myself included. But this is a priority for me. And it was before I was a preacher. Don't say, well, you got to be here, you know. <laughs> Big deal, you know, you're not, you're not late. You know, you got to open the door. But this God stuff is a priority for me. The house of worship, meeting here regularly, make it our priority, investing your time in God's people and God's stuff at the same time. Another cool way to do the same, do both at the same time is small group. Small group is just a small-scale uh, version of this. It's less formal. We're hanging out with people. We're studying God's word. We're fellowshipping. Sometimes we share a meal. We pray. We worship. Listen, it's an opportunity for us to invest in people, pour into other people's lives, and get poured into ourselves. All the while, we've set aside a chunk of our time, 
And it's not contingent on how busy work was. It's not contingent upon whether I feel like it tonight. You're not trying to say, well, is so-and-so going to be there? Because if she's going to be there, I'm not going to be there. It's not a contingent on any other factor, but Lord, this is something that I'm committing to. This is something that I'm doing. And I remind you, members, those of you who signed up for membership, you, you committed to be in a small group. So I'm just giving you some time to sort through that. But small group is a fantastic way to invest in both people and God at the same time. You ought to try it. We're on a break for uh, small groups right now, but we'll kick back up in the fall. Listen, I'm just asking you, try it for two months. Try it for two months. Just say, I'm going to try this. If you absolutely dislike it uh, after a couple months, then forget about it. But I want you to try it for a couple months. Real quick, another way to invest your time in the kingdom is, is mini groups. Mini groups are, uh, is, are not quite small groups. They're smaller than small groups. Just an opportunity for us to, to get together regularly with people that you trust, brothers and sisters that you trust, and just share your stuff. By share your stuff... Our purpose for a mini group is to talk about how we fell down that weekend. In other words, that, that, that previous week. Listen, I really missed it here. I really flew off the handle with my wife. I'm confessing that to you guys. I want you to hold me accountable for that. Man, I watched something uh, on TV that I shouldn't have watched. got real racy, and I didn't turn the channel. Listen, I, I let that into my life. I need your accountability. I need you guys to, I'm going to be calling you this week to, to make sure I don't fall there again. Now, I went to those websites again. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I want to confess that to you guys. I want to be accountable to you. Listen, what, what am I doing? I'm investing in the kingdom. Not only am I there for them, I'm pouring into them, but I'm getting some accountability for my life so that I'm traveling light without all this sin in my life and I'm dealing with my issues. Listen, that's investing in the kingdom. That's sowing seeds into your brother's life, if you're a guy, and your sister's life, if you're a woman, and it's also depositing things. You're sowing seeds into the kingdom. And I can go list all, a long line of things that we do to, to facilitate community and things that you can do to, 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 to give your time to the kingdom of God, but I just don't have time for that this morning. I've given you a good framework so you can go and ask yourself the right questions. You can go back and do an inventory of your own time and say, how am I spending my time? And some of you will get to the end of that inventory and everything will be me. Okay, that's for me. That spa thing, oh, that's me. This thing, my TV time, that's me. Or this, that. And you will look up and you have invested zero time in anybody other than yourself or an embarrassingly small amount. And, and, and the question is, what do you do with that information? What do you do with the reality that you're not investing your time in the kingdom? Because if you're, not, if you're not investing your time in the kingdom, frankly, the way God sees it, you're wasting it. You're wasting it. You're wasting it. So, again, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But Jesus sent me here this morning to tell you that you will reap what you sow as it relates to your time. And God wants you to sow it cheerfully. But he wants you to know that God profoundly blesses those that sow generously and, 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 and cheerfully into the kingdom of God. And as it relates to our time, as it relates to our time, we have to ask ourselves, how are we fulfilling our ultimate purpose to love God, to love people? Are we sowing into people? Do we have eyes to see the least and the lost, and those who are naked, thirsty, and hungry? Do we have eyes to see? Do we even care? Do we even care? And can I just pause there for a second? For those of us, you just don't care. And that's the reality of your situation. 
I'm not going to beat you up. What I want to say to this, sometimes getting into God's will simply means being obedient. Sometimes your heart will follow obedience. There are certain practices, there are certain spiritual disciplines that you will have absolutely no interest in. And some you would just be philosophically opposed to. But if God is uh, in charge of your life, he gets to say what you do and what you don't do. Right? So for some of us, it's simply a matter of being obedient. And there have been times and situations in my life where being obedient has led to me having a heart and having a desire and having an appetite for certain things. Does that make sense? So some of you, you're not going to develop this appetite all all overnight. Where Where do you start? You start with obedience. You say, God, you want me to do that? Okay. You want me to do that? Okay. You want me to cut that out and make time for something else? Okay. And you do that every single day until your heart is in line with what God says. And repeat. Go to sleep and do it again. We're talking about investing our time in the kingdom. Worship team, you can come back. This is important. Guys, if we get this right, a whole lot is right. We get a whole lot right. If we get this wrong, if we neglect this, a whole lot is screwed up. So there's no condemnation for those of you who are struggling in this area or who are limping along in this area. But there is, there, God, the waters are stirred today. The Lord wants to empower you to be one who invests in the kingdom, not just so you can be blessed in this life, but so that you can be blessed in the next as well. Will you, will you walk with me and invest in the kingdom of God, invest our time? And I want to challenge you, don't miss the couple, next couple of weeks because we're going to really flush out the other two aspects. You don't want to just get a portion of this. We're going to talk about talent, and we're going to talk about treasure. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the ways, oh God, that you challenge us to live differently. Lord, for some of us, it's a real challenge to take these words seriously and to put them into uh, to action in our lives, Lord. But I pray for those of us who struggle in this area, Lord, that you would bring strength um, to do your will and courage to see it through. Lord, we know that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We know that you don't come to condemn us, Lord, but you come to get us right with you, to make us right with you, so that everything we offer you, Lord, is a pleasing sacrifice in your eyes. So, Lord, we want to sow generous seeds. We want to live and sow generously, Lord. We want to do so cheerfully, and we want to wait and see you bless the life of generosity, specifically as it relates to our time. And Lord, for those of us who really struggle with making doing your stuff a priority, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to them this morning, that you would convict where conviction is necessary, and that you would encourage where encouragement is necessary. Lord, I pray that we would all be examples to our children of what it means to invest in the kingdom of God, what it means to take seriously your stuff and to put it first. God, we ask for your power, we ask for your strength, we ask for your courage in that regard. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.